0: turn to Mark chapter 10. I want to thank everybody for being here, especially our first time guests. I want to uh, let you know that we look at you as a gift from God. We hope you feel welcome, warm. I know it's warm in here because I'm hot. Um, (laughs) uh, If you would uh, fill out that third part of your worship folder, we got a free gift for you after the service. So I want to thank you for being here. Mark 10 verses 42 through 45. It says these words, this is uh, when Jesus was together with his disciples, and it said that he called them together and he said, you know the rulers of this world lord it over their people and their officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it is to be different, for whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. He goes on to say, the reason being for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. In your worship folder, you probably saw a little card here that said Q&A, which talks about questions and answers, where we're asking people to submit their questions, and we want to tell people what the Bible has to say about it. One of the questions that was asked is, what is total sanctification, and when are we completely sanctified? And we were in the middle of a series last week, and I want to take a one-week break from that series today, because today's a very special day. Today, I want to honor our deacons and those that you have chosen from among you uh, to help serve and lead in this church. And I want to recognize them and, and bless them today and honor them. Uh, you know, the word deacon is from a Greek word, diakonos, if I hope I'm saying it correctly. Uh, I got a Greek expert here now on, in church that helps me with my Greek pronunciation. But the word diaconalist, it means one who executes the commands of another, especially that of a servant or of a master. It means a servant, an attendant, or a minister. Now, I know not every one of us here today are in that position of of deacons, and I want to honor them today. But the reality of it is, is we're all called to be servants. Would you agree with that? Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. And if we want to become more Christ-like, we need to become better servants. And I want to talk about that because that's the one characteristic of Jesus's life that you see, that, that quality of unselfish servanthood that we should not quickly overlook. As a matter of fact, just like giving, you know, there's only certain things that's created in our hearts and in our souls by giving, the same way is true with serving, is there's only certain things created in our character that comes from serving God and from serving others. And so this is a lifestyle that we are called to experience and we're called to engage ourselves in, in service to God and service to others. But you know, um, more important than the acts of a service is the attitude in which somebody serves. Do you know it's, you're able to do the right thing for the wrong reasons? And, you know, it, you, can, you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude. And when it comes to being a servant, the heart of a servant is much more important than the hands of a servant. Because it is possible, it's, it's possible to, to serve in a church without really having that, that heart of true servanthood. It's even possible to be working for God professionally full time and not be a servant of God. It's, it's, it's very easy to be an administrator of programs and forget that we're called to minister to people. Amen? And so I'm not only speaking to our deacons today kind of as a charge to to what God has called them to do as the servant leaders in our church. But I want this to be a word, of, word from the Lord to everybody today because serving is, is about so much more than what we do. It's about who we are, who we are on the internal part of our being, who we are in our hearts. And as I'm moving quickly, I know we've got a lot of things to do today. I want to talk about different character traits of true servanthood. Traits of true servanthood. And the very first one is someone that has, is a true servant. Some true servanthood isn't pursuing a position. They're not looking for a position. As a matter of fact, in this very same passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 10, if you're still there in your Bibles, if you'll go back earlier in that chapter, you'll find out that two brothers that were disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, psst, we need to talk to you over here on the side a little bit okay? And I say, Jesus, we need, you to, we need you to do a favor for us. As a matter of fact, when you come into your kingdom and you sit upon your throne in glory, you know, me and my brother, we want to sit on the right hand and the left hand side of you when you come into your kingdom. How do you think that went over with the rest of the disciples? You can talk to me, go ahead. How do you think it went over? Didn't go over too well. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that they became indignant because these guys were looking for a position. They were pursuing positions for themselves. If we take that to heart, there's a lot of reasons that people serve. Some people do it out of a need for significance, and that's not bad, but some people do it because they need the approval of others. And that can be dangerous in our lives, because there is eternal significance when we serve God's eternal purposes. Amen? We can make a difference in someone's life in eternity through serving God with the right heart. There are eternal rewards for those that serve with the right motivation. The Bible tells us about the judgment seat of Christ and that all of our deeds will be judged and there will be some of it will be rewarded. Some of it says it's going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. So the motivation behind what we do is important. Would you agree with that? Amen? But even in Christian works, even engaged in Christian works, we see from this story that selfish ambition can come to the surface. And self-promotion and servanthood just don't mix. They're antithetical to one another. As a matter of fact, if we look at this story, because these guys were trying, they were pursuing a position for themselves, it created indignation in the hearts of the other disciples, and it created division. And without that servant's heart in us, we're going to be tempted to use our service, even our good works, for the wrong reason. And so people, if we want to have that true servanthood in our life, we're not pursuing a position. This is what I love about the men that I serve with, is they, they weren't looking to, to jockey to try to get a position in the church. They were just already serving. I've often said the ones that should be deacons in the church are already deaconing. Amen? They're already serving. And they weren't, not one of them was pursuing a position because a preoccupation with position is going to rob us of the ability to serve with the right heart. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus tells us that greatness is not defined by our position, but it's defined by our level of service. Jesus said, you want to be great in my kingdom? He says, then I want you to be a great servant. Then learn how to serve and learn to do it with the right heart. True servanthood is, I wrote down, true servanthood isn't pursuing position. It just simply simply seeks to serve. Amen? This is something that we need to be praying for God to do in our hearts. Another trait of of true servanthood is true servanthood isn't afraid of authority. You know, we live in a time that people don't really like authority in their lives. Would you agree with that? People are, maybe it's because of abuse, maybe because of other things in their life. People feel very threatened in this day and age by authority. But there's a story where Jesus had an encounter with a centurion, and a centurion comes up to him. He says, I I I need you to do a miracle for me. I have a a servant that's very sick and I need he needs to be healed. And Jesus says, Well, I'll come to your house and I'll heal him. He says, No, no, no. He says, You don't even have to come to my house. I'm not worthy of that. He goes, you just say the word. You just say the word and I know that he will be healed because he recognized the authority of Christ, but there was a very unique thing that he said. He said, for I too am a man under authority. This man recognized the authority of Christ, but he also recognized the fact that Jesus was somebody that was under authority himself. And if we are called to be servants, Simply by virtue of the fact that we are called to be a servant, that means that we are called to a position of submission. We are called to a position of being one under authority. I mean, think about the definition of a servant. It's, it's A servant is one that is under submission to somebody else. Jesus exampled this in his own life. He was under submission to the Father. Because repeatedly he said, he goes, apart from, he said, apart from God, apart from Father, I can do what? I can do absolutely nothing. I can't do anything. I'm just, actually, I'm just speaking the things I hear my Father say to me. I'm just doing the things that my Father is leading me to do. He showed himself to be one under authority. And we're so scared of authority. I, I think how, you know, the Bible tells husbands and wives we're supposed to serve one another. But we're so afraid to do that, aren't we? Because, you know, it's like we feel like we'll either be taken advantage of or it demeans us in some way. But if you look at the life of Christ, it said that he was equal with God. Amen? He was equal with God, but yet he became a servant. So did Jesus become less than God when he became a servant? Did he? Did he become less equal to God simply because he served? No, he became more valuable within the kingdom because he chose to serve. And if God is asking us to submit to one another in love, we've got to get the idea out of our head that by, being, by submitting to someone in authority that I'm becoming less of a person. As a matter of fact, that makes us more valuable the kingdom of God. And someone that has a true servant's heart understands, I'm not afraid of authority. I myself, I have presbyters that I'm, a, I'm accountable to. I just saw my, my executive presbyter at the movie the other night, and, and he met my boys, and my boys were like, who's this? I said, this is my boss. You guys never seen, but I am someone, I love having authority over me because I feel more safe. I feel more secure. Anybody else there with me? Amen? This means that we're willing to embrace someone else's vision, that we're re- actually willing to, and we welcome receiving direction in our service. Because serving, I think about it so often, we want to serve on our own terms. And the reality of it is I've come to realize you can't serve God on your own terms. Well, this is how I'll do it, and this is what I'll do and this is where I'll do it, and this is when I'll do it. And God says, it's not serving. I can't serve God on my own terms. I've got to serve God on his terms. Because he's the master, amen? This means we need to be willing to embrace someone else's vision. We need to welcome direction. It, it, it's, if we have a problem with authority in our lives, we're going to have a problem in following God in general. It's going to, if, we have really, if you have a problem with authority, it's going to be hard to follow God because he's God and we're not, amen? A true servant isn't seeking autonomy, and it's secure and comfortable with authority. Submission to God first, submission to ordained authority, and submission to one another. The third trait is that true servanthood isn't about the praises of people. Paul wrote in Galatians 1.10, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Because if pleasing people were my goal, he said, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul makes it very clear that if I am trying to please people, that I'm not going to be able to please God. And true servants don't serve for the approval of others or the praises of people. They serve for an audience of one. I'm, I'm, I really want, if you don't walk, if you're a servant here at Calvary Christian Center, and you serve here, if you don't walk away with anything else today, walk away with that. That we serve for an audience of one. Can you imagine... Anybody singing in the shower? <laughs> you just laughed just thinking about that, right? I mean, I got, I got, uh, I got one of my kids, man. He's doing a show. He's got the shower head in his hand, you know. But no one's looking, right? He's singing for an audience of one. Can you imagine what our worship would be like? If we were worshiping for an audience of one, you weren't worried about what the person next to you was doing. You weren't worried about what the person next to you was saying or thinking about you. You Can you imagine what our worship would be like? And I want to encourage you. You need to start worshiping like you're worshiping for an audience of one. Because that's there's only one that we're worshiping, and it's the same way with our serve. I'm going to tell you, if you want to be faithful, if you want to be a true servant, we've got to understand that I'm serving for an audience of one. I'm going to tell you, understanding that in your heart is going to keep you from burning out in serving God. Is understanding that I'm doing Because you know what? There's a lot of stuff that goes unseen by other people. Did you know that? Did you know that? There's a lot. You know, you ever see all these beautiful flowers that we have out here? All around the ground. Anybody see that? You know who does that? Anybody know who does that? There's a little lady named Kim Smith. Never got asked to do it. Doesn't get paid to do it. Doesn't get thanked to do it. But faithful to do it. She's not here today so I can brag on her. But she's doing it for an audience of one. She's not doing it so everybody knows. Nancy Bearden helps her too. Where's Nancy at? She is here today. Amen. You do it for an audience of one. And I'm going to tell you, that's going to keep faithfulness in serving because it's not about people. See, it's not about getting the pat on the back. It's not about getting the applause. I'm going to tell you, I've been a pastor for 17 years, I think so, maybe longer than that. And there's a lot of jobs that I'm going to tell you that you're going to end up, if you ever get a professional ministry, that you're going to serve just by yourself and no one sees you doing it except you and God. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times you're going to be grumping and griping. I can't believe it. Nobody helping me. Let me tell you, a will start talking to you then. It's like instant download. I remember when I was working, I had my office next door when I was associate pastor. And I remember back in the 80s when they used to do that splotchy sponge paint thing, with two or three different, oh, golly. And I had this office. I was like, I can get this thing painted. So I painted my office all happy and I was painting my office and the secretary's office outside was still that spongy, splotchy, ugly paint look. And I said, well, they could, they could take care of that themselves. And God said, no, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Why? That's not my office. And I'm sitting there having that diet. You know that little defense attorney you got in your head that argues with God all the time? It gives, you, it gives him all the reasons why and why not. And God says, because I'm trying to make you a servant. And a servant doesn't always have to be seen for what they do. And I'm going to tell you, it's important if we want to have true servanthood in our lives, that we've got to get comfortable with the idea that I'm serving for an audience of one. Someone that's serving for an audience of one, they're content with serving behind the scenes. They fulfill their responsibilities. They keep their promises. They keep their commitments. They don't give up when it gets hard. You know it gets hard at times? Especially when you've got things going on in your life personally. It gets hard. I met with, how many people remember Pastor Wallace? He left here and planted a church out in path. He's a bivocational pastor. Can you imagine working a full-time job and pastoring a church at the same time? That's, that's hard. And he told me, we met for lunch, he said, I couldn't do what I'd do if I didn't know that I was called by God to do it. He's doing it for an audience. He's not doing it for a paycheck. He's not doing it for people. He's doing it because God's asked me to do it. He's equipped me. He's, he's, he's gifted me. And he's, and he's doing it for an audience of one. And I'm going to tell you that right there, knowing that God has, a call, has called you and you're willing to do it for an audience of one, I'm going to tell you, is going to keep you from burned out, getting burned out. And this is, you know, look what it says in Colossians 3. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that you are serving. One of the things that we need to keep in mind in regards to true servanthood is that most of servant living is going to be rewarded on the other side of eternity. Remember Jesus talked about, you know what, if you go and you give, and you give so everybody sees, (laughs) throw the money so it makes a lot of noise. What did he say? He said, you already got your reward. I'm glad you enjoyed it. People said, oh, man, what a great giver. He said, you already got your reward. All I know is I don't want to spend my life in service to God and stand before the judgment seat of Christ and go, you know what, all that work and effort and everything you did, it was all for the wrong motives, and it's all nothing but wood, hay, and stubble. I want to be rewarded. Christ said, store up treasure in heaven. Amen? Amen. And we, if we want to be rewarded before our king, before the one that we serve, we've got to serve with that purity of heart. And we've got to know that we serve for an audience of one, that servant living is going to be rewarded in the future. Because if we seek our reward now, if we seek the pat on the back now, if we seek the praises of people now, we're not only going to lose the reward in the future, we're going to lose the power of God in our serving. We're going to burn out. So greatness in God's kingdom is never found in position and reward is never found in the praise of people but in only true servant-like service to others. I'm speaking to our deacons, but I'm speaking to the rest of us. So those are three things that servanthood isn't about. Now here's three things that servanthood is about. True servanthood notices the needs of others. Philippians 2, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I would encourage you to read Philippians 2 this afternoon. It says, When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give honor to others. Give more, wait, wait, more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be in, interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Isn't that the central Theme of a true servant heart. This is what's at the heart of being a servant is the ability to take the focus off ourselves and put it on somebody else. We have a natural tendency to be too preoccupied with ourselves, don't we? It's real easy to be preoccupied with yourself. It's natural. It's natural, especially when you got aches and pains and you're hurting and you're going through stuff yourself. Believe me, it is is very easy to become preoccupied with ourselves. Even when things are going good, you know, we still are preoccupied with ourselves, but true servanthood is interested in what's going on in somebody else's life. And I want to encourage you. You know, we all go through stuff, right? Find someone else less fortunate than yourself to serve. Maybe you're struggling a little bit financially. Why don't you take a mission trip to third world country? Amen? Maybe you've got some aches and pains in your body. Go to the hospital and serve someone that's going through hospice or going through chemotherapy on the last few weeks of their life. We are never called, even though when we suffer, we are never called not to be concerned with the needs of somebody else. And true servanthood is always able to notice the needs of somebody else. And so find someone less fortunate than you. Servants are sensitive to the needs of others and know that when God puts someone in need in front of you, he's giving you an opportunity to grow in true servanthood. And he's given you an opportunity to meet a need. And I want to encourage you to stay open for opportunities. True servanthood stays open for opportunities. How many people are busy? How many people are busy? How many people are too busy? I want you to look at the words that Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 4. And he says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Paul's encouraging Timothy, he's saying, don't get so bogged up with the things of the world that you're not able to accomplish the work of the kingdom. Do you know it's real easy to get overextended into the things of the world? You know, one of the things I was so proud of, my my son today, you see my son, my sons and my my wife are not here today. My son actually played on a basketball team this year, and, and they are at a tournament today. And they, they won their two games yesterday, and it looks like they're going all the way to, to the final tournament game today. But you know what? Yesterday, my son was sick. He's had a stomach virus for weeks, and he, he played sick. And, and, and I was so proud of him for going ahead and pushing through and, and playing sick. And after they won their two games, and they said, we're meeting back here tomorrow. We got a game tomorrow at 11 o'clock. My son says, Dad, I can't go. I got to be in church. And I said, no, no, it's okay. You can go this one time. It's okay. But I was so proud that him coming here to serve was a priority in his life, above his his extracurricular things. And if we want to be true servants, we've got to be open for opportunities. We can't be so bogged down with the things of life. We can't be so bogged down with our own schedule. We can't be so bogged down with our own agendas that I don't have time to put anything into the kingdom of God. This is what Paul's telling Timothy. You know, these men that are serving with me, they are, they are making this themselves available to do this by their own choosing, by their own hearts. I remember one time, we were, remember back when we did the power team, anybody remember we had the power team here? God, it was and I remember we were going from school to school and we were rushing around and, 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 and we had the schedule we had to keep, we had to do all these, 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 these things just hour by hour by hour showing up all these schools and setting up and we were driving to one of these school events and we see a lady that's broken down on the side of the road, had a flat tire. And I turned to Bobby Hoskins, I turned to him, and I said, you think we should stop and help her? He goes, how can we call ourselves Christians if we don't? We've got to be open for opportunities that God brings to us. As a matter of fact, you may, you may want to give yourself a test. Let me ask yourself, give yourself this. Can God mess up your plans without you becoming resentful? Can God mess up your schedule for the day without you getting upset about it? Do you know God has a way of messing stuff up sometimes? <laughs> He'll mess up your schedule, believe me. He's God, right? Someone at one of the Q&A Q, Q things, someone filled out, why does God always get his way? I'm not doing Oh, out of the mouth of babes, right? But can God mess up your plans without becoming resentful? Because being a servant means that I'm going to give up control of my schedule and I'm going to allow God to interrupt it as He sees fit, Amen. Because we need to remind ourselves that of every day when we put our feet on the floors, we start every day that we are God's servants. Interruptions they won't begin; they won't frustrate us as much if we remember that our day is His. And so, it's all right to have plans. It's all right to be willing. And, and, and ready for certain things in your life, but we need to be willing and ready for God to interrupt those things because there's divine appointments that he has set for you that day. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I did an entire series on, on humility and surrender, and we need to remember that the seedbed of all spiritual fruit and Christian virtue comes out of Humility. We can't come to God without it. We can't love others. We can't communicate properly. We can't resolve conflict without humility. We can't deal with the sin in other people's lives without humility. And we simply cannot re- deal with the sin or resist sin in our own lives without humility. We can't serve without it. And we need to be hungering for humility in order to truly become the servant that God has intended us to be. Philippians 2 says this, 2, 5, and 7. It says, In your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit. But he gave up his place with God, and he made himself nothing, and he was born as a man, and became like a servant. The question is, do you want to be great in the kingdom? Then it means be a great servant. Do you want to become more like Christ? Ask God to put a servant's heart in you. And today, not only do I want this to be a word to our church, but I want this to be a charge to our deacons. And I'd ask that our deacons, our men, would come and stand on this front aisle, please, as our musicians are returning to the stage. 1 Timothy 3, 8 and 10 says, Deacons likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. As I said before, these are the men that you have chosen and you have elected to not only serve alongside of me, but to serve you and to serve this flock, to serve this body. Some of us have served together for years. Some of us are just beginning to serve together, but I know each one of these men's hearts and I know the character of their persons. And church, let me say you've made a good choice. Man, I would encourage each one of you to always be men worthy of respect. Be sincere in all that you do. That your yes be yes and your no be no. Make sure to use tolerance in all things in life. Always be made of integrity, not pursuing dishonest gain, but trusting God for his provision for your life. Always hold to the deep truths of the faith because God's word is unchanging. let you guys know. I love you guys. It's an honor to serve with you. I thank you for all that you do. For our two new deacons, Lynn and Lee, I want to tell you I look forward to serving with you over the next few years. You can go ahead and be seated.